Oh. You fix it. Yes. Is it fixed? I don't know. It's working, though, I think. Is it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I work. This is kind of important to know. No, it looks like it's working just fine. All right. Well. If we have one more computer issue, I'm going to cry. Yeah, like, it seems that the world does not want us to get these Bible, Bible studies, studies out. It's ridiculous. This is stupid. We've been, it started with my computer crashing, and then just yesterday we came down here to do more, and the program stopped working. Wouldn't do anything. Yeah, I've done every troubleshooting, every everything. We're switching, like, devices. We're, we're doing so, so many things. we got rid of that, and then we finally brought your uh, computer from upstairs down here. And that's what we're on now. And that's what we're hoping is working. Because yeah. this is honestly like the last thing that we have. Yeah, there's literally nothing. I mean, this this one's broken, but it's working. So, I don't like, know. Props to Satan. He's doing a great job. And my level of frustration is like skyrocketing. because. I mean, he lost because we're here, but... But we've been down here <laughs> for been, over an hour we've now. Been, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like, yeah. So, we're reading the Bible. And so now, suck it, Satan. this is a date, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna read the bible all right um yeah with that because we're in uh corinthians trying desperately to get these done for you guys so you guys can read along yeah, with us seven eight and nine is what we're gonna do today and the really crappy part about all this too is we already recorded this we, did. we had one completely done and ready to go up and lost it. And, and completely it. lost it. So we're redoing this one. Uh, I was just talking to Heidi, though, beforehand. Like, I totally got into a Corinthians flow earlier in the week. And then I got sick. And then we got back to it. And it broke. And so if this is a little different, forgive me. Well, nobody else has listened to it in days because we haven't been able to post anything. So it That's probably true. doesn't matter. Well, it, it might now. Yeah, I guess by now they forgot. <laughs> So you might need to go back and re-listen to. Yeah, you might re re-listen re -listen to those. Before we get started in Chapter 7, though, I wanted to go ahead and remind everybody. Why are we recording this one now? We don't have a Sunday study to go up in Matthew. Oh, man. Well, we're going to do this one, and then we'll go do Matthew. <laughs> Good night. It's going to be a pizza night. Ugh, tomorrow's supposed to be pizza night. Well, I don't, okay, maybe not then gonna be a no dinner night there we go that's it nothing okay. nobody eats first corinthians 7 everybody fasts <laughs> um so before you start please say a prayer for us, uh, for us <laughs> and for you as well that the lord will open your heart and mind to understanding and hopefully speak to you the recording that we lost had a funny little quip of us talking about you and your take a prayer I remember that. Oh, I'm so glad we lost that then. All right, it pause was, us. It was about 10 minutes of it making it fun was. of me. All right. Pause us. Pause Go it. spend some time in prayer. All right, guys. And seriously, if there is anything at all that we can do for you um, that doesn't relate to us having working computers, um, <laughs> let us know. Please reach out to us. And if it does, give us patience. Yes. <laughs> Lord, help us, please. Yeah. Um, go to APHomeChurch.com, prayer requests, um, requests for anything that you physically need, for help, counsel, questions, whatever we can possibly do. Reach out to us there. So before we start reading chapter 7 again. <laughs> for us. 
We have to keep in mind that this was a letter in response to a letter that was sent that had Which a bunch I think of. We forget a lot. That we do. That we had a lot of questions in it. How do we do this? What about that? Where How do we do these this? questions and the and these things? It's very relevant to today, mm-hmm. because we as Christians now, especially the world is we're the way the world is now, the way that we're we're growing up and going into it. These these same questions kind of keep coming up as back in the the first century church, is they weren't really sure how to deal with these things. They're like, well, we're Christians now, what? What do we do? We got all this like pagan culture around us. Mm-hmm. We have all these Jews coming around here wanting to kill us. And then we have these other ones coming around here saying that you have to be Jewish in order to believe this. And it's just a mess. It's kind of, it's, it's very, very similar to the same things that we're dealing with today. But we still, in, in these types of situations, what we're getting into here, we need to remember that a lot of these are specific to these people at this time now not meaning that not necessarily apply to us that not meaning that it doesn't apply to us but it wasn't written to be like this rule but it wasn't correct it's not written to be an instruction manual we i mean yes it is an instruction manual for us but we need to read that with just you know if there's if, if you come across something here that you're just like what like then that probably doesn't apply to anything that that you need to worry about. Well, if I gave you the user handbook for a toaster when you're trying to fix your car. Right. It's exactly. Not, necessi- not that some of the principles and elements might not carry over and still, like, exist. It's not that they're wrong, but it's it's not a different thing we're working with here. Yeah, and we need to remember that there were different situational issues here that came up that were specific. And they were asking questions to Paul, and Paul is answering those questions specifically. Mm-hmm. So for us to go and take those things as saying, well, see, this is what Paul says about it, you can't do that. You, you, you have to weigh everything with, the, with all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. With that in mind. Instructions on marriage. Instructions on in marriage. Now, see, this is a, this is a, great, a great guide for today, especially... Like I was just talking about the world that we live in, where the culture is kind of weird, and we're what society takes what's as okay, so, yeah, and, and what is it exactly it is up. right. So, all right, verse one. Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. 
it's better to marry than to burn with lust. But for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. If she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will be speaking to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. What Paul is saying here real quick when he's saying that I have something, that he's basically saying that this is not direct instruction from the Lord himself, which we know the Lord gave Paul specific instruction. Mm -hmm. So he's saying this is not that. This is my opinion. However, my opinion, he's basically saying, however, my opinion is right. So you should probably take it. Well, and because I think it's that was falls in line with what Christ would have answered. See, Christ wasn't able to answer every specific situation that comes up. So we have godly counsel so from we, his apostles. Exactly. And, and that's not something that we can't, you know, as we read earlier, we don't go outside of scripture for anything else, for any other, you know, anything else. The, like a continuance of Christ's, you know, words and ministry. The only place that we have to go to is to the apostles. Well, and I think that's where we need to understand that there are other places in Scripture that is giving you just general good advice for life. Sure. But it doesn't mean that it's a literal something that you are to apply to your life. Like the proverb that early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Like, yeah. That doesn't like yeah, that mean doesn't mean just because if you I simply just go to bed early and wake up early that I will be healthy, rich, smart. Like that's not necessarily what that means. Is that good practical advice for life? Yeah, generally, generally across yeah. the board, that's a good. I mean, if you look at these like Fortune 500 CEOs that give their, you know, top advice. They all wake up super early. They all go to bed early. You know, all of those, like, they generally follow those things. Those things drive me nuts, dude. I get, I see the, I'm gonna go off, but I see those on YouTube all the time where it's like, this Navy SEAL wakes up at 4 a.m. I'm like, cool, I'm still asleep. (laughs) I'm not doing that. I'm not. I don't care how healthy he is. Um, But, you know, so here, Paul's giving, is this good general advice? Yes, of course. Is it direct instruction commands from the Lord that you must... No, not necessarily, but he's giving you like, hey, here's my advice, here's my reasoning why, and if you test it with scripture, yes. Right, it's going it's it's to fall. It's a good idea, yeah. but no, it's not a one and done. Nope. All right, I stopped in a really weird spot, so... Verse 13. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you. And remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. 
For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them. For them. But the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. But before you do, Paul, I'm going to stop you. Um, going back into remaining in the situation where God calls you, sometimes he calls you outside of something that you're currently in, and you find him on the outside of it. That's what you want to stick with. You don't want to stick stay necessarily in a current situation if it's a sinful situation if it's something that's what he's saying he's paid a high price don't be enslaved to the world because he has paid a high price and he called you out so don't be enslaved to this sin or to anything anything any part of the world that's going to drag you down so but at the same time i feel like sometimes we're like well, I'm a follower of Jesus now, so clearly he sure. has these everything great is going to everything now from this point forward is going to be blessed. So if everything isn't going great and awesome and perfect, we get this feeling that something's wrong, right? Or something's no, he's using you where you're at, right? And it may not be your dream lottery winning picture perfect world. It might still be a kind of cruddy one that you're stuck in. So instead of focusing on how bad things are for you, again, he's not going to keep you in this like well, sinful situation, but it, just because things aren't going perfect doesn't mean that God isn't there and working. He's using you in the situation. That I'll he's only you use in. myself as an example is just because it's, it's a perfect example of it where I was working. I knew in the job that I had, I knew that this wasn't a path that I wanted to continue on ongoing and I was feeling completely torn away I'm like I basically have to sell my soul to the world to become successful if that's what I'm you know gonna do at the end of the day yeah, that's I'm what gonna continue to I'm that type of person though that can logically though at the end of the day on my deathbed I'd be like yeah but I didn't do anything it was stupid and all pointless you know if I mm -hmm. were to go down that path because just the way my mind works I think of every possible thing ever so, anyway, I mean, in my situation, sorry, that was my fidget spinner. <laughs> because he's 12, you guys. I am 12. Anyway, in my situation, I was, I was feeling a very strong calling away from it. And, a, and just a, not any satisfaction in any kind of earthly career job, you know, where I was going at all. So I noticed... That was the beginning of God calling me out of that. And I realized as soon as I got out of that, as over time, that's exactly where he was calling me, is he called me out of that. But that's where I was when he called me, is being called out of the world for me. Mm -hmm. And so for me, 
that was really easy to to identify with with being called where you were when you figure out exactly where it was that you were called and if you look at that but you look at that in light of 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 the lord not of anything else not of any worldly thing or anything like that you find where did the lord find you what point in your life because he comes and gets you you don't just find the lord right he comes and finds you and meets you where you are and pulls you up from wherever you are it's Usually you're never in a good situation to find the Lord, right? <laughs> Usually it never works like that. Usually it's it's pretty tough and I mean I guess I guess the there is exceptions to the rule like we said, but for the most part I think it's it's just uh you're in a very tough, difficult position where you're kind of ready to give up or you know, and, and then you just kind of see that light so anyway truly discovering where exactly it is that that the lord called you and where that he's blessing you and leading you is extremely important and not worrying about anything that the world is offering saying because the two are different and that's why that little little part is in there god paid a high price for you so don't be enslaved by the world that's why that's that's slipped right in there is that God called you here. Don't be enslaved by the world. Don't let any of that influence take over or realize where you are. Because for me, I, that could have been, that was something that I tried desperately to do. I tried desperately to leave what he was calling me to. Because I didn't feel that it was what I should do. And that was based off of a worldly influence, not based off, off of a godly influence. But then I realized where I was called and where he found me and remembering that and then that's how we ended up getting here <laughs> all right verse 26 because of the present crisis I think it is best to remain as you are if you have a wife do not seek to end the marriage if you do not have a wife do not seek to get married but if you do get married it is not a sin and if a young woman gets married it is not a sin However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best, with as few distractions as possible. I know this was one of the points that we brought up, is he's saying here that 
if you stay single and stay completely devoted to the Lord, I mean, the amount of work that you can do, what you can do without being tied down and having to focus on these other things, I mean, truly is a freeing thing. Again, not to place restrictions on everyone, but look at where our culture is today. We are so focused on get married, have a family. You know I mean? We just we want you to have a small family. We don't mm. want anybody to have a big family. But, you know, like my brothers, they're in their So it's why aren't you married? And it's these constant... Well, you even got a girlfriend? Why aren't you married? What are you doing? You know, we want grandkids. When are you going to get married? When are we going to have grandkids? You know, you get all yeah, of no, these. Yeah, I, I know this is something in my own family. That I, this is something that I've even quoted to my uh, my brother before because he's dang near 50. Or they he is 50. 50. They mm-hmm. are 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is not married. And yeah. he kind of gets down on himself from time to time on it. It's more or less when he comes here yeah. and spends time with us because he, he absolutely, he's like, oh, I want... But at the same time, when we're talking, I'm like, yeah, man, it's awesome. And I and I, I wish – see, I'm the opposite of Paul here. I wish every man would get married to an awesome wife and be able to have a beautiful family and an awesome time. I'm That's just because that's my situation, and I wish that for everybody. And if I – if somebody were going to ask me and come for advice and want to know what was the best decision they – I'm a father. That's just the only thing I know how to do. But let's look at you here in this. We – did this when we recorded it the first time and now I'm thinking of it. It says he wants you to be in a position that will give you the fewest distractions right. as possible so that you can devote yourself to the Lord. You as a single man would be a mess. You would Oh yeah, be, I would have so a, many distractions. There yeah, is a reason that yeah, you that was, got yeah, married very, bad. very young. Oh yeah. And there, yeah, there's a reason. That all of this is going yeah. down the way it does because you would be one that would have given in to sinful pleasure way too often and it would have been very very bad i don't um, believe you yeah uh-huh. so um <laughs> we talked about that in our <laughs> intimate interview if you guys are interested right. but um it is what's best for you well when we look at it like i could have seen me being one of those that stayed single my whole life right oh yeah but you no way you, you know you just that would have been a disaster for you. And you so, just would have regretted it. When I you would older. have. I would have. And you would have hated when yourself older. when yeah. you were like. But I would have done it. Yeah, you totally would have done it. That's but, just why I say. Um, and that's where I'm thankful that I have you to show me how much things. you would have hated it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the point here. The point of us focusing on. You know, and it's just little comment, little backhanded comments that we make, and we don't even realize. Oh, you haven't got married yet. Oh, when are you settling down? We. This isn't stay single by means of not being being married and just date around all over the pond. Like that's not what he's saying. Stay if you're stay single, single you're stay devoted single, to the Lord. To your Lord. Yeah. If God wants somebody in your life, He's going to put somebody in. Well, your and life. and that's just what I was going to say. Is like my brother, for instance, and that's why I've quoted it to him. I said he's fine because you spend your time dedicated to serving the Lord in your way. I love you, brother, but you need to stop working so much. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not judging that. But if you stay uh, single, naturally. Anyway, focus, but if if anyway, we we had talked about this before, and I had said, you know, look, you more time dedicated to it, and I think him as a you know, he would have, yeah, he it would, he's way better off single. Oh yeah. I mean, he's way more productive single than he oh, would yeah. be with it, and I really think it would drive him insane. Yeah. There's no way that he could stay married, just like knowing his personality and just knowing my brother. But that's where you have to look at it for everyone. And looking at you, there's no way. See, that like you being be married single. to you, like this, that would be a nasty divorce. <laughs> if like a person like with my brother's attitude, 
Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that would be horrible. Would go well. So all of that, you know, and that's exactly what Paul's saying is he's he's trying to keep you from all this is just practical advice. But again, I think my point that I just it, but to talking make about not this is society pushing this notion that everybody needs to be married and it and this no, identifies you. Your and, eyes need to be focused on Christ and you need to be serving the Lord. That's what you need to be focused on. Whether God puts someone in your life that you do it with that person, or maybe you stay single and you do it that way, you are not less than. And yeah, and, and here's single. what sucks: if you're single and you're and, and and you still have that want, you know, and yeah, it's painful. And this is a the thing that sucks about it. Like I, I'm sorry that's going to happen. It's I, I don't know the Lord's plans, and I don't know why He does certain things. I don't know why He doesn't have a person for you. Even though you want one and you pray for one and, and, you know, this is all you want. But maybe that's an idol. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. all you want. If you ever say that, like, this is all I've ever wanted, that's that's usually an idol. Yeah. Um, usually, not in every case. So that's don't. That's a good rule of thumb. Don't comment me on that because I'm not making any kind of judgment like that. But, but put your, I mean, the same it, thing it that could we need to be, be teaching our children. Keep your eyes on Christ. Serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. If he brings someone in to be your partner in doing that, amen. Praise God. Yeah, I know if I've had my own. stay single, amen. Praise God. You would God. be surprised what you would hold up as an idol. I mean, things that you wouldn't even think are idols are idols. Your, yeah, your insecurities can be idols. Yeah. Um, because that can be something that you're holding up that's stopping you from doing something that you should. So... There's all there's all kinds of different little things like that. So verse thirty six, if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. I just always like to stop and point out the seriousness that if he's treating his fiance improperly, that you need to get married quick because you're going to fall into sin and if you're not married you better go get yourself married because you're well we don't hold importance to fornication anymore right like you you're living in sin shacking up and stuff like that yeah. it's just become the norm my mom that's it. what my mom used to always be shacking up now he's shacking up with that mm -hmm. but then that was something in my family that actually turned very uh that was one thing that I learned, I guess, from them. Because my whole family couldn't stand that. And I think that all came from my mom. Although, yeah, each one of them probably did it in their own way. Kind of, sort of. But there is a huge but, importance on that that our society does not really blink an eye at. The church doesn't even really blink an eye at it anymore. Verse 37. But just to point out that it's seriously, if you're treating improperly... So that's that's a serious consequence, or it's, it's serious wording. Verse thirty-seven. Well, and go ahead. Playing house, playing marriage when you're not married. What are you showing your children? So you're showing your children that scripture can be ignored in these certain ways. So what's to lead them to believe that they can't ignore scripture, living their lives in other ways? Yeah, it like, really stinks, especially if you're a believer and in this situation, because as the church, you're put you're putting the church and you're putting people in the church in a really bad position to have to call you out. Yeah. And to have to do this personally. And this it's in a very uncomfortable position because but it's not something that we can really be flexible. We can't be flexible at all. 
because if but we're the whole point of fornication, living in sin, shacking up is so normal and mainstream. That's I mean, the odds are that people listening to this are doing that. And we don't mean this in a way to. Re- I mean, a, I'm just talking from right. the statistics. It is so the norm. No, statistical. Yes, yeah, I'm not. I don't mean to be pointing out anybody specific no, or, just, or saying I anything know specific. That the however, the odds are however, as a Christian, there's certain there's there's things that the Bible says, and there's certain truths that we know that are not they're not flexible truths. Yeah. Something like this, when you're saying that you're treating your fiance improperly. Yeah. If you're going to if you're if you're going to give into lust, you need it's improper treatment and you get married. Get married. That's how serious it is. Mm -hmm. So it's not. This isn't something that like in in a. Hey, if there you couldn't find any more sinful people on the planet if you want to point fingers over here. So I mean, we can do this all. So there's not there's no finger pointing here. It's coming from something saying. <clears throat> we were in this position, but we had no clue the weight and the seriousness of it. So, and also, Paul says all of these things because of the time is short. Yeah. Like, <laughs> did you not? I just read that. Make sure you let that sink in. He says all this stuff because the time is short. That could mean, you know, as we always say, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, but. His point being that, you know, the end of human history is going to wrap up at some point. And Christ said that part of the gospel was the fact that Christ is going to return to earth one day. Yeah, it's like the big part. That and, we're on. and when his feet step on earth again for the second time, it's not going to be pretty for anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll be cool. But for anybody on earth in, in, in the... The veil that's going to be ripped back at that time. This is not going to be a pretty time. Well, any day could be the day that you're so, going to be facing God. Yeah, exactly. You're but be but I mean, the, the, the time so is doing? short. The Lord, the coming of the Lord is near because he came the first time. So that's how you know that it, it's coming soon again. It's because he came already. And it was only 2,000 years ago. So, which is... A, Long enough time for him to return. If you look throughout biblical history, the way that that events tend to happen in biblical history, they they tend to be in these big two thousand year increments. So if you're you know just a general thinking man, you would say, hey, the world's going to crap. This two thousand year increment, there might be something to this. Even if there's not, we don't have tomorrow. We don't know. Verse 37, but if he has decided firmly not to marry and there is no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well not to marry. So the person who marries his fiance does well and the person who doesn't marry does even better. Remember, that's <laughs> that's, a, that's a cranky old Jew's opinion. Don't. He's not saying that it's better. We just went through this whole thing. I don't need to say it again, but remember. We don't see that on t-shirts. We don't. That would be a good one. Verse 39. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. But only. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single. And I think I am giving you counsel from God's spirit when I say this. That was chapter 7. Coming into 8. 
it was weird. I almost read the little writing at the bottom because this is a different Bible app than I normally use. I'm going to start reading it. It's holy Bible. I was like, yeah, I was like, all right. Food sacrifice to Yeah, see, this is one of those things where you're like, what? But in the time, meat was sold in, well, all, all food was sold in the in the markets. You know, they had, just like we have today, like fresh markets outside. And they would have, in this Greco-Roman culture, everything would be sacrificed to these gods. It's like going to a Chinese restaurant. Exactly. That was what that was what we explained to the kids when we're like, okay, you know, every time that we go get Chinese food, you know how they have Buddha out front? And they usually have, like, some of them have the little plate of food up front. Like... That's food sacrifice idols, and you, you could be sure that that obviously if they have Buddha in the restaurant, then the, they they're probably really practicing Buddhists. So their all of their food is going to be offered to Buddha mm-hmm. before it's provided out. So that's so as removed as we might feel we are. We're not at all. Really, right? Not. When you walk into any. Matter of fact, I think there's another that one sushi restaurant that's really famous. I think they have a, uh, they have some sort of god out front of it. It's really popular. They do in all of them. I don't know. Anyway, um, shows that much we know. Yeah, I'm also in the mountains. So what do I know? Nothing. First one. We made it to the moon, right? <laughs> well, that's oh, that's, that's debatable. All right. I don't believe we did. <laughs> She doesn't really believe that. It was Let me filmed clarify. in the back lot. That is not footage from the Oh, movie. here we go. First one. Now, now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So know all you want to know. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't Love matter. Love God? Got it. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth. And some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us... There is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as worship of real gods and their weak consciences are violated. It is true we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weak conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol... Won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. 
And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Again, this adds into which we'll get into um, here in a couple chapters, but he's talking about putting others before us. What love truly means. If what you're doing causes a fellow believer to stumble, to have questions of their own conscience, things like that, you put that other person before yourself and stay away from whatever it is so that you do not bring them down. We have freedom in Christ, right? There are some things that are not necessarily sinful, but if they are an issue to someone else, then you stay away from that. Like you've said before, if we're, if we grill steaks for dinner tonight and you have a beer, while you're grilling, is that sinful? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. However, but if, if I have a friend over friend who's who, a recovering alcoholic is coming over for dinner tonight, you're not going to I'm be not drinking gonna, if it, right, if, with if, him here because right. that's an issue that he's had that leads has led him into sin. So that's in direct violation of his conscience that he's doing. And you would be a jerk to behave otherwise. Right. You're not truly loving that person, let alone loving them with the love of Christ, if you're doing something to cause them to stumble. Right. Yeah, no, I've used that uh, a Just bunch like of times if before. we had friends over that were Jewish and we we're trying to show them the love of Christ, we would invite them I'm over. Not gonna, I'm not going to have like pork, pork tenderloin yeah, for, dinner. for dinner. Yeah. I am going to keep to a kosher diet with our dinner so that way we are respecting their belief, you, you know, in, in doing all of that. And it's, it's that simple. Yeah, and... It also, Alexis brought up the point, too, you you need to be careful as a Christian what you're wearing, what you're saying, what you're, put, what you're, pro, you're portraying out there because you're representing Christ. But also, somebody else that is a believer could be getting influence off of you. Yes. And if they are, you have to make sure that it's it's the, the right type of influence. Mm -hmm. Or and make sure that it's not something that can make them stumble because what if they're struggling with some kind of sin and you don't know that it's that bad. But because of by what you wear, for instance, Alexis brought it up with um, with women in church with, with what you wear. They say you never know what kind of new guy believer that is there. And maybe he's had a problem in the past with some sexual sin. Okay, and that he's trying his hardest to not go there but yet you're there with your extra tight inappropriate, inappropriate attire <clears throat> like people ridiculously dress in church nowadays mm -hmm. and, look and, and look what you're doing you're you're turning that person's wheels unintentionally by you okay yeah you may not understand but you shouldn't be dressing like that to begin with but Stop unintentionally, first you're, you're, you yeah, you, you could be messing somebody up. That doesn't mean that you have to walk on eggshells, but when you're around other believers and not in the privacy of your own home, you should be aware of these you things. You should be aware of these things. Mm -hmm. All right, so chapter nine. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes. 
Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the apostles and the Lord's brothers do? And as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of his own fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us, so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I'd rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me the sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Verse 20 When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. So see, this is why Paul took that Nazarite vow. See that question come up all the time. And if Paul didn't follow his law, why did he take a Nazarite vow? Well, he just explained it. Verse 21. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Which the law of Christ, John 13:34, all of the law can, can be summed up by loving others. That's exactly what he's saying here too going into verse 22. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. 
So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I love that Paul that the term there, shadow boxing. Of course you do. You were watching boxing this morning, weren't you? I was, oh, and last, last night. night. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> that was chapter nine. We mm-hmm. will be back tomorrow, tomorrow, Lord willing. Lord willing, yeah. That something else doesn't break. With 10, finish 11, and 12. And 13, right? I think we finish. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. no 10, no, no, 11, no. 12, and then we'll do 13, 14, 14 15, 15, 16. 16, yeah. Yeah, yeah so one we'll, of them will have four on it. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, with more. Yep. Thank you guys for joining us.